Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler free. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I'm excited to be back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks, haven't reviewed anything in that time, and I missed it. I missed you guys, missed talking about these movies that are new releases, and so here we are for today. I've got a couple of new ones to share, and I hope that you will enjoy. First up is Rosaline from 20th Century Studios. It stars Caitlin Deaver, Isabella Merced, Kyle Allen, Bradley Whitford, and Minnie Driver. It is directed by Karen Maine. Written by Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. Based on the 2012 young adult novel, When You Are Mine, by Rebecca Surley, which in turn was inspired by William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. What's it about? Left heartbroken after Romeo begins to pursue her cousin Juliet, Rosalind schemes to foil the famous romance and win back her guy in this comedic twist of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So, as it says in the description, Rosalind is the cousin of Juliet, also a Capulet, and so that is part of this. Romeo is still a Montague. The film does maintain the original play's period setting. And it mixes the occasional Shakespearean verse with very modern dialogue and language. I would say there's not a lot of actual Shakespeare in here. And when it is used, it's usually done so in a way that allows for poking of fun at certain characters for speaking in that way. I found it used to great effect. I was often chuckling when some original Shakespeare lines would come out. And I just think it's really a fresh take on this story. When I saw that this film existed, I did not know about it until just a few days ago, honestly, when I was offered the opportunity to review it. And I wasn't really that taken by it. I was like, oh, another Romeo and Juliet. Like, who really wants that? But I decided to give it a shot. And I'm so glad I took a chance on this because this is the exact kind of movie that I think will just fly right by so many people's radar. And hopefully I can give voice to the fact that it's really, really good. Caitlin Deaver in particular is just awesome. You know, she leads this as Rosalind. So it's all done in her POV. And one of the things that I really like about it is that it allows her to affect the events of the original story that we know so well. And in some ways, kind of, it leads to changes, which I won't tell you what those are, but how they weave her decision making into what we know and use that both to make comments on the nature of the romance in Romeo and Juliet and also to kind of subvert audience expectations. It just really, really enjoyed how witty it was and how well it worked. Uh, it's got a very self-aware nature to the storytelling that I also found to be a lot of fun. Deaver's comedic timing is fantastic. Her delivery is great. She is just an absolute star. She shines in this, and I think she has the kind of charm and just magnetism that a leading lady in a rom-com like this or a young adult rom-com like this should. Kyle Allen 
is the Romeo in this. He plays a very shallow kind of character. He's like a dumb lover boy who tries to woo women with his poetry. Quickly moves on from Rosalind to Juliet. So uh, he's a bit of, uh, you know, probably not the best guy in a lot of ways. You might even say that Rosalind dodged a bullet by not ending up with Romeo. But Kyle Allen plays him so believably sincere, and he is just absolutely hilarious to watch. I think he's basically my new Ansel Elgort for young adult rom-coms. If you don't recognize his name, Kyle Allen was the star of a movie last year called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, which was an absolute banger, one of my favorite films of the year, and one of my favorite rom-coms in a long time. He starred in that opposite Catherine Newton. Still highly, highly recommended. I think it's on Amazon. But I, I liked seeing him do something here that is much more comedy-based. And, and he is very much in on the joke, and he knows that he's making fun of his own character, and he's just having a lot of fun with it. He, he actually looks a lot. He's got this longer hair, longer curly hair kind of look. And I, I paused it at one point and took a picture and sent it to my best friend and I was like dude this looks like Heath Ledger it looks like a young Heath Ledger in a knight's tale and I think maybe that was somewhat intentional as well and then the rest of the cast is great Isabella Bursed she plays Juliet and especially when she and Rosalind are bantering when they kind of rivalry over this boy shows up they have some great scenes together they also have some scenes together that are you know pretty wholesome and earnest where Juliet is teaching Rosalind about the world. She, Juliet is younger and much more naive, and so she is very smitten when Romeo takes a liking to her. And the way that Rosalind sort of is both helping her gain an understanding of the world and of love, but also maybe trying to sabotage it at the same time, it just works really well. It's uh, very entertaining. The movie also has a Bradley Whitford in it as Rosalind's father. He's not in it a lot. His main thing is that he's trying to marry her off, of course, but she's in love with Romeo, which is what is the trigger for all of this. Whitford is fantastic, of course, uh, in anything he does, and I think he's just uh, perfect for this dad role. And then there's another character named Dario who becomes important to Rosaline and she has a pretty cutesy little relationship with him. He's a soldier that her dad wanted to marry her off with, but he is a character that is able to match her wit and that makes for some great dialogue uh, and playful moments between the two of them. There is also some modern social commentary, maybe some political satire there. There's like a Trump joke for one thing. There's Definitely a nod to what it might be like to live under the patriarchy. Rosalind is a bit rebellious about the ideas of how women should act in this time period. And ultimately, the film and the story, I should say, kind of takes a new way to look at the Montague and Capulet feud. And it's a bit heavy handed at times. It's probably my least favorite part of the movie, but also some of it is still pretty funny. But what I really appreciate about this twist is that it acknowledges that a love story can be different for each person and can show up in a different way. And that specifically romantic attraction, not just physical attraction, but even just in general romantic attraction and compatibility are two very different things. And 
that both may be important for a successful relationship <laughs> and the way that the movie makes these points i liked a lot there is also a typical YA movie great soundtrack i thought that it was just aces i love the costume and the production design it's not overwhelmingly fancy period costuming but it's vibrant and i think it matches the movie's energy really well i liked the look of it seems like the sunlight is always out and it's not really darkened it's not brooding or dramatic it's just it's always fun and bouncy and i also love that there is a taylor swift song in the credits so watch through the credits that's a bonus i liked rosaline a lot it will be available streaming on hulu on october the 14th and i absolutely think everyone should watch it 90 minutes goes down fast it's the kind of movie that much like the map of tiny perfect things or I think back to another one last year's Cinderella remake with Camilla Cabello. I really enjoyed that. These are movies that I just have a good time. They make me smile. They make me happy. And I could rewatch them multiple times over the course of a year or even within days of each other because they just go down super easy and uh, are fun to watch, like even in the background uh, on a repeat viewing. So yeah, highly recommend Rosalind this week. The other film I have to review is 38 at the Garden from HBO Documentary Films. This is directed by Frank Chi. What's it about? Chronicles the extraordinary ascendance of point guard Jeremy Lin during his landmark 2012 season with the New York Knicks. Lin, an undrafted Harvard graduate, shocked fans, stunned his teammates, and galvanized Asians around the world when he scored 38 points at Madison Square Garden against the Los Angeles Lakers solidifying Lynn's hot streak and the Lynn sanity craze. I was extremely excited about this when it was announced because I lived through Lynn sanity and I remember just how much of a craze it was. It was crazy. It was in, it was insanity. It was wild. People could not believe what we were seeing happen over the course of about two and a half weeks. I, I want to say it was roughly 11 games that this hot streak lasted and this is actually a short film, so that's important to know. It is exactly 38 minutes long. Pretty obvious why they did that. And because of that, I would say it's a little bit less thorough than what I was hoping for. The title of it refers to the 38 points that Jeremy Lin scored at Madison Square Garden against my Los Angeles Lakers being guarded largely at times by Kobe and after feeling disrespected by Kobe who said he didn't know who Jeremy Lin was even after Jeremy Lin had been on a hot streak several games prior to this and the amount of time that actually is covering this one event that is in the title of the documentary is pretty small by comparison i think that a more thorough retrospective of his career would have been something i would have enjoyed a little more but for what this is doing, I think it manages to get across the point pretty well. Most of this is centered around the story of Jeremy Lin as it relates to the fact that he is an Asian American playing in the NBA, not just the performance and his talent. In fact, I would argue that it doesn't really acknowledge the fact that his talent was something that 
the NBA quickly figured out and immediately was able to neutralize. I mean, he's a very talented player. He absolutely belonged in the NBA. He played for nearly 10 years, was on a championship team at one point, played for the Lakers at one point. But this level of success was never really replicated for him. This is all about the fact that he got there in the first place and he had this moment on the big stage. And how was he able to push through the parenting in an Asian American community, push through the stereotypes in America for what Asian Americans are supposed to be like and able to achieve this dream because so many don't follow their dreams. So we are told the story Largely interview style. Uh, We have many Asian American journalists, comedians, some fellow players uh, from the Knicks at the time, some Knicks fans and more that articulate what it was like going through this craze. We have people who tell us what it was like, including Jeremy Lin, of course, what it was like growing up as an Asian American, how your parents kind of expect you to excel in certain studious areas, how people stereotype you and just don't believe you can be a certain type of athlete because of your body size or because of what you look like. And obviously these stereotypes have been perpetuated by American media for ever as well. Lynn was a very smart kid. It came down for him when it was time to go to college between Harvard and MIT. He ends up choosing Harvard because Harvard has a Division I basketball team, and that was his dream. So he didn't want to just be an excellent student. He wanted to play basketball. Luckily, his parents supported that, but he was still disadvantaged in a sense. He tells a story about how when he got to the Knicks, I'd, I think this was like a year and a half into his career when he was with them because he was drafted by the Warriors first and bounced around a little bit. But he was was trying to come into Madison Square Garden and he got stopped by a security guard and they asked him for his badge. And he was like, dude, I don't have a badge. I'm a player. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't believe that he was actually on the team. And it sounds crazy, but this is true because they just weren't anybody like Jeremy Lin in the NBA. You may think back to like a Yao Ming who was Asian and also a cr- incredibly dominant who came over after playing in China and was able to replicate that success here in the States. But Lin was straight up an Asian American who came up as a guard. And if you look at his body type, he doesn't look like he would be as athletic as some of the guys that he was going up against. And so it was just unreal. He comes in this one game and just blows up and goes on a complete scoring bender. He is just off the charts hot. And he just stays hot for game after game after game. The biggest one being this 38 points at Madison Square Garden, and then the game after that where he ends up hitting a walk-off buzzer-beater shot in Toronto to win, and does so in a way that kind of amplifies what this documentary is all about. I really enjoyed hearing the other Asian American people that were interviewed talking about what it meant to them and what it was like in their communities and how people saw their own hopes and dreams in Jeremy Lin and the fact that he was realizing his 
as a means of uh, for them to think back and go, yeah, I can do this. I don't need to believe that I can't just because that's what these stereotypes say about me. If I push through, if I believe hard enough, if I work at it, I can't achieve these things. And that's really what this is all about, is using this as a vessel to talk about that. It actually transitions towards the end and then talks about how anti-Asian hate was at another all-time high as a result of COVID-19 recently. A horrible thing, of course. It did make sense, but the pivot was something that just did not, for me, go together in a way that I was expecting. I think I really was wanting more focus on the basketball here about Jeremy Lin. And this is taking a different angle. So just understand that going into it, that it's not about Jeremy Lin's talent as an athlete, as much as it's it's really about what is the broader effect of him coming on the scene as an Asian American and doing this. How does that change perception and how does it inspire a community and how can we get past stereotyping Asians and hating Asians and putting all Asians or all Asian Americans into the same bucket? How can we treat people differently and kind of using this as a way of getting at that? There's also some animated sections in the documentary, by the way. I used one in the graphic for this video when I posted it on the website and social media. And they're not a lot of them, but they they do add a little bit of energy and keep the fast-paced tone that this documentary has all the way throughout. I mean, it, it is clicking. It moves. That was one of my criticisms is it, it does not go in-depth about anything. It's just flying. And, uh, and it does help to break up the interview segments. There's nothing special about the animation, but it's visually appealing. So there's that. That's it. I think that this is well worth a watch for any basketball fan like me who wants to go down memory lane and remember what it was like to experience this time capsule like where were you win kind of moment in NBA history. It's also, I think, good for new fans to watch to learn about this thing that happened and how cool it was and how much it took the world by storm and you know and it's got its social point as well of hey maybe you're not familiar with what it's like in asian american communities and you will learn something uh, when you watch this if you are not already so there's value in that 30 at the garden will be streaming on hbo max and also debuting on hbo's primary channel on october the 11th and i do recommend it i think it's worth a watch well, that's it for this week on FF+. Plus. Hopefully you have found something you'll be interested in. If you do see any of the films I talk about, I always would love for you to let me know. You can find me on social media at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter, Letterboxd, Facebook, and get me there any way you want. Uh, you can find links to our Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group and all of our other different various sites and accounts in the show notes to every episode. If you enjoy this, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Wherever you listen, it does help us out and we appreciate it greatly. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.